History is often written by the victor, leaving the stories of the forgotten and losers buried. I'm your host, history extraordinaire, Gabrielle Jadot, and this is Hidden History, the podcast where we delve into history's hidden files and pull out the stories of shrouded heroes, cover-ups, and controversies that have been hidden for centuries. A controversial action of the U.S. government had explosive results. Today, we'll be talking about the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki during the Second World War. Inspecting this piece of history with me today is senior Kristen Sonsel. Thank you for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Uh, How's your day been going? My day's going good. How's yours? Mine's been pleasant. Thank you for asking. Now, let's get to business. Uh, Before we start, I know that this podcast is made to teach you listeners something that your history books didn't teach you. And Hiroshima and Nagasaki are something that we learn in history, or to some, in English. But did you know what we are taught as Americans isn't entirely the truth? Kristen, what do you know about the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? We were taught about how it was vital for our country and to end the war. As expected. According to a discussion post on Ranker.com, most American students are taught that Hiroshima and Nagasaki were detrimental in ending the Second World War, and that the bombings saved way more people than they killed. Call it a necessary tragedy in the U.S. government terminology, but in actuality, it's quite far from the truth of the whole ordeal. Other countries are taught different perspectives on the bombings. Did you know that, Kristen? I did not know that, but I just thought it was crazy how, like, different countries learn different sides of the story. Like, just how interesting it is to hear different sides of the story through different places. I know, right? In Japan, the students are taught the strife and the horrors that occurred post-bombing in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And in Mexico, students are taught that the U.S. made a reasonable decision. The U.K. is taught that the U.S. bombed to scare the USSR, but it was never taught about the aftermath. And Canadians, shockingly enough, are taught practically nothing about the whole event. What's your thoughts on this revelation, Kristen? It's almost like they don't know what's actually true going on. Like the Canadians don't even know what's happening while other states or other countries know different stuff. It makes me think if like history is biased based on the countries. It was a shock to me that the Canadians didn't know this. I would think Americans out of all of the groups would be the ones that would omit information because, well, we know history is written by the victors. So they're going to make themselves look like saints and great. And America tends to do that a lot. So I would have thought that America would have been the one to completely toss this piece of history away. But it was the Canadians. So that was a shock. Now that all the facts are laid out, let's talk about the true events of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Let me lay out the scene. It's August 6, 9.15, a crisp, quiet morning, when suddenly the sky above Hiroshima is lit up as a U.S. flown bomber plane, the Enola Gay, drops an atomic bomb, the little boy, upon semi-unsuspecting citizens of Hiroshima below. The blast was instant, ripping walls and foundations from the earth as easily as the wind. Those who didn't die immediately would be dead by the end of the year because of the fallout. But the terror wasn't over. As in three days after the Japanese refused surrender, on August 9th, another atom bomb was dropped onto the mainly shipbuilding city of Nagasaki, at 11.02 a.m. in Nagasaki time. The bomb, called the Fat Man, was dropped by a B-29 bomber plane, the Boxcar, a few inches off its bombing site, landing in the Urakami Valley, 
leaving less damage to the main city than Hiroshima. Now, this is the point where the story diverges. What were you taught on the events after the bombings? The reasons given, the actions performed? It was more we were talked more about how deadly it was, like how all the lives were at stake and many people lost their lives and it was necessary to end the war. Uh, I was taught that only after the fallout of the second bombing, the Japanese surrendered and uh, all the strife and the terrors and the horrors that Hiroshima had, it had no effect on the Japanese. That was what I was taught. Kristen, why do you think the Japanese refused surrender after the initial bombing? I thought it had to do with the Soviet Union, based on what we learned in class. What we learned in class isn't entirely the truth. According to nationalworldwar2museum.org, the top uniformed leaders refused to concede that the United States possessed more than one bomb, or perhaps a few, but not an arsenal of powerful atomic weapons. The Japanese surrendered because they were provided evidence that the U.S. had more than one atom bomb which was a crucial point in the reason of the not surrendering after the disaster of Hiroshima. Now, one fact was omitted from our history books. The fact that Nagasaki didn't need to happen. It was estimated that it would be ready to use the bomb, the fat man, during its production by General Leslie R. Groots for the Manhattan Project. But it wasn't necessary to drop two atom bombs on the Japanese. His words were ignored and in our sense, historically covered up in education. Thoughts on that, Kristen? I think that's insane how it's covered up almost. Like in the beginning when you talked, it sounded kind of one-sided based on what we learned. And then it's more crazy to me to find out that we didn't need those two bombs. Yeah, we only honestly needed, well, we didn't even need bombs to be honest, but only one should have happened. Two happened because the U.S. was, we'll get to that in a second. According to archives.gov, the bombings of both Hiroshima and Nagasaki were the first instances of atomic bombs used against humans, killing tens of thousands of people and obliterating cities. While it contributed to the end of World War II, it didn't come without decades of loss. As of recent years, there has been an uncovering of an abundant amount of history and investigations into historical foundations and choices and just more interest in what actually happened in our past. And it was found out that initially, after the bombings, Americans had expressed both a mixed reaction of fear of accidentally starting a nuclear war and disgustingly enough, unyielding pride that the war would be over because of the technology developed in their country. As an article on Oregon State University states, now many Americans of newer generations and some old are pointing out the moral wrongness of the bombings, the historical inaccuracy of the story of the bombings, and the probable route that could have been taken previously that could have omitted the bombings from history entirely. According to a documentary on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, today, historians now largely agree that the United States did not need to drop the bombs to avoid an invasion on, of Japan and bring an end to World War II. And though aware of alternatives, President Harry Truman authorized the use of the bombs in part to further the US government's post-war geostrategic aims. What are your thoughts on, these, on the bombings, Kristen? A necessary tragedy or an unnecessary slaughter? It almost sounds like an unnecessary tragedy based on like the studies that you were talking about. I think it's more crazy to hear about how it wasn't necessary and they could have found other methods to use for the war. Yeah. 
yeah, there were plenty of other ways to go, but being the US and being the loud, proud, prideful people that we are and were in the past, that really hasn't changed. It's not a shock that we went for bombs over diplomacy. With all the history we uncovered today, I think it's a good place to stop till next time. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation, Kristen. Thank you for having me. This podcast was created with credits to Ranker.com, BBC.com, National World War II Museum, Archives.gov, ScarpLibrary.org and State.edu, ComicHeritage.org, CTBTO.org, History.com, WorldNuclear.org, ICANW.org, and armscontrol.org, information used in the making of this podcast. I also credit Zachbar Valhalla for the intro and outro music. Join me next time where we'll talk about mummies, curses, and ancient Egypt. <laughs>